Do you remember the last time you picked up a pen and noticed the quality? How about a razor you handled that didn't feel cheaply made? When was the last time a product made a true and lasting impression on you? In this era of the mass-produced and disposable, anything lovingly handcrafted seems to be a rare thing. Maybe it's time for a change, and Spindlecraft can help. At Spindlecraft, passion and superior quality make it stand out from the faceless, automated crowd. Material for each piece of work is thoughtfully chosen, crafted, sanded, and finally polished with the kind of attention to detail and dedication you can't get off of an assembly line. At Spindlecraft, they know that quality of the material is as important as the quality of the craftsmanship and is a reflection of both the artist and the customer. So rather than buying some cheap pens or razors that you won't give a second thought, purchase something from Spindlecraft. To see what they have to offer, go to www.spindlecraft.com and at the checkout, enter the word GEEKS. That's G-E-E-K-S to get 10% off. We're sure that once you have a Spindlecraft product in your hand, you won't want to put it down. Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me tonight is my co-host, Sarah. Hello. All right, Sarah. So it's just you and me tonight. No mm-hmm. no Rake, no Jacob. Um, apparently, their priorities are not in order. Breaks me when get new car. <laughs> yep, yep. Apparently, a car is more important than reviewing a movie. Psh, right. Gee like, whiz. Call yep. yourself a fan. Priorities, whatever. <laughs> totally out of whack. Um, no, just uh, yeah, they just couldn't show up. So it's just going to be the two of us, and we are here to review The Witch. This was your pick. Yes. Now yeah. you hadn't I've heard seen about this, this right? A lot. I've heard it compared to like Hereditary and kind of all those heavy hitter horror movies, and but I never actually watched it, so I decided like, okay, this is what I'm going to pick and see if it lives up to the hype. Yeah, um, this is a movie that I remember. I remember when it came out, and it was getting all this buzz. It was everywhere, mm-hmm. all over the internet, and they were saying about how good this was and how scary it was, and like. Uh, it was just a different beast. And, you know, it's one of those movies where on the surface, it's very, very, like, it's a critically adored. Yeah. But it's also kind of divisive in some respects. Uh, There's a ton of fans of this movie, and there are people that have problems with it. And I am on the fan side. I think this movie is, I don't want to explain this. It's, um, (laughs) it's a movie that I feel like is, it's, it's a different beast than if you are somebody who's experienced with horror movies is whatever is playing, you know, at, at the latest release where you go in and, all you get is a jump scare every five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what a lot of horror movies are these days. They're jump scares. That's fine. Uh, I think there's an over-reliance on jump scares in a lot of horror movies. Um, it feels more manufactured scares as opposed to, uh, you know, maybe more of an organic dread that I think yeah, is a, lacking in a lot of the films because, the the script is set up to just make you jump all the time, right? And that's like, oh, you're being scared. It's like, well, yeah, but there's a different kind of scary. And I think 
If I was going to compare it to a movie that we've reviewed, in fact, I would say it's one of our, it was actually not, it was one of our first movies that we reviewed for this podcast, and it was The Babadook. Mm-hmm. I remember that. This movie, to me, feels very, very similar to The Babadook in in tone. Um, just a, a just a, a, there's a dread. Overwhelming that, that dread, yeah. permeates every second of that movie, and I feel like with The Witch, it's the same thing. It's less about trying to scare you and it's more about trying to creep you out. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of themes running through this movie. And so it's it's an interesting movie if you look at the symbolism and if you uh, just, just think about some of the different themes that are running through it, it's, it's very interesting. But I, I'm a huge uh, uh, fan of this movie. I really enjoy it. I've seen it a couple of times. And uh, so what, what's your take on this movie? How did you think about this whenever you uh, finished watching it? Yeah, it, the biggest thing is that dread. Like, and it is a very different type of, like, fear. It's not really a horror movie. It's more just, like, pit, something's in a pit of your stomach kind of movie. Because I couldn't imagine, you know, not having any society to cling to being completely on your own. Your survival like depends on your own land and on top of everything, something isn't right. Something supernatural is happening and invading into your family. And all these characters are because of it or slowly turning against each other or being put against each other. And it's just that heavy, heavy weight of like, trying to keep yourself alive and like there's a whole other tone to this movie that's just it's unmatched by anything else well this movie this movie lacks the winking into the camera which you get from a lot of horror movies where we're like we're kind of all in on the joke wink wink you know we're gonna scare you but wink wink uh kind of thing and it totally lacks that artifice right this is All about this takes itself very seriously. It uh, feels like a genuine folk tale from yeah. old England. Like, and I even had to turn the subtitles on because I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what that means. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, true I'm, old English. Yeah, we we actually watch a lot of the stuff that we watch. We we actually keep the subtitles on most of the time because. You know, sometimes you just can't understand what people are saying or they're they're whispering or, they're, you know, things like that where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, what do they say? Go back. Can you play that again? Like, we just tend to keep the subtitles on, I'd say, about 90% of the time for the movies and stuff that we watch. Um, unless it's, and this it's, has a lot of soft talking in it too. Yeah, it's a lot of soft talking. Um, all right, so uh, this movie was uh, directed by Robert Eggers. It was also written by him. Um, it was a script that he was working on. He was shooting something else, and I think his cinematographer, not the cinematographer, I think it was no, I think it was his editor uh, on the film that he was working on, uh, unbeknownst to him, gave it to some people that she knew, some producers, and he was like totally freaked out by it because it wasn't a finished script, but they loved it. And, you know, they had some suggestions um, that they made. And, you know, because originally the movie was told from a different point of view. It was a, it was a five-act structure. Oh. And so it was told, each each act was told from a different point of view of the characters in the movie. But they thought that he okay. should simplify it and, you know, kind of jettison that. And, you know, it took a little while, obviously, to rewrite all that. But, but the core idea was already in the script. Like, it was, it was a lot of that stuff was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was written and directed by Eggers and the stars of this movie are let's see uh, Anya Taylor-Joy who most people know now this was her film debut uh, Ralph uh, Ineson and Katie or Kate Dickey um, there's some there's some other like young actors here, like Sarah Stevens and Lucas uh, Donison, who played Jonas, mm-hmm. uh, Harvey Scrimshaw, who played Caleb, a lot of the younger 
kids and stuff in this movie, but but that basically makes up just about everybody. There's um, Black Philip, who was the voice. Um, there's also the 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 old witch in the woods, um, Bathsheba Garnett. You know, so but most of it was is really Anya, Ralph Ineson, Kate Dickey, and and Harvey Scrimshaw really make up the most of that. But I got to tell you, every single performance in this movie was top notch. I mean, I got to tell you, um, a lot of child actors are not great. Yeah, Ray complains about them a lot. I don't think he could complain about any of the acting in this. This this movie, their acting is top notch, and it's done by some pretty young kids there, especially what Jonas and And, uh, Mercy. Mercy. Yeah, yeah. So like they did great. I mean, I don't know what they were doing there. I don't know how they you know managed to get those performances out of them, but they really were fantastic. They were unsettling almost. Yeah. Like it was, it was strange. Like I, I was watching their faces closely. Like I kind of felt like, man, are they got some like animate animation going over their faces? Cause their faces were just unsettling. But you know, the closer I looked, it's like, no, those are just the kids. <laughs> They're just being that creepy. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the box office for this, I think it was 40.7 million total. Um, it, it didn't make a lot. It, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a small independent film. It didn't cost very much either. Uh, I don't, I don't think I marked down what the, the budget was for this, but it was really, really small. Um, I know that, but you know, it, it's clearly a movie that made back its budget because the most positive this didn't cost no $40 million. Yeah. yeah it cost 4 million to make. 4 million. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it grows. 40, 40.4 million worldwide, 25.1 million in the US, um, in a budget of, yeah, of, of 4 million. So it, it definitely made, made it more than made its money back, definitely yeah. 10 times over. Um, so let's talk about this movie. So, um, so basically, this, there's this family, they live in this town. Uh, the film opens with the head of the family, William. Played by or played by Ralph Ineson, mm-hmm. and he's getting he's essentially getting yelled at. Um, he has apparently been, you know, it sounds to me like he's been very critical of the way in which the church or the people in that town kind of observe the religion. Yeah, and he doesn't feel that they are doing it correctly. And so they excommunicate him. And so basically they kick him out of town and say, get out of here, go, you know, go find some land, go live by yourself. If, mm-hmm. if you don't feel like we're doing this the right way, if you don't feel like we're, you know, praying and observing, you know, this pure Puritan religion, um, the way you think, then fine, be gone with you. And he's like, yeah, fine. I'm out, you know, peace out. And he's <laughs> out of there. And, so they go and they find this little patch of land and they think, hey, we found this this almost Eden, almost Garden of Eden kind of this yeah, beautiful deceptive. chunk of land that's just amazing. And it ends up being the worst decision they could ever make. Yeah, it was a nightmare. So, you know, I don't know, you know, this movie, you know, makes you question, okay, did they did they bring this on themselves? Did they go to the wrong place? At the, you know, when there was like wrong place, wrong time. Like if anybody had settled here, would this have happened? Um, or was it them in particular? And it's a good question. But there's no denying that, you know, they, they build everything up. You know, it probably takes them a little while uh, to build a house, to build all this stuff. But they do it. And when it comes to William... You know, so everybody in this in this movie, I, I don't know. This movie kind of seems like a commentary on kind of very extreme versions of of kind of religious observance. Mm-hmm. Um, if you adhere very strictly to something like this, where you have no flexibility, then it can open you up to 
kind of it, well in a situation like this right they 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 say we're going to go we're going to you know pray and and do how we want we're going to be much more basically much more strict version of what they had in the town right and but each one of the people in each one of the family members you know like sins in this movie in mm-hmm. their own way um you could argue it's brought about by black philip but you know you have uh William, who to me, it's exactly what the men say at the beginning, right? It's prideful conceit. Yeah. He is a prideful man. He says, you aren't doing it the right way. I'm going to do it the right way. And I always feel like as the movie goes along, he begins to kind of view himself in a very elevated fashion. Like, I don't think he's a bad person. No. He seems to be a very, you know, a, a loving father. Um, I mean, he's strict, fine, but he's, you know, he's loving father. You know, he's loving husband. He cares about his family clearly. You know, he tells his sons, like, you know, I love you, I care about you, and all this stuff. But there's a very prideful aspect to his character, and it's that pride. Even when things get really bad in this movie, even when their course of action should be. We're going to leave right now. We're going to go back to the town. We're going to apologize. We're going to ask them to take take us back in. Even when they should be doing that, even when he hints in this movie at times like, okay, we'll leave tomorrow. If this doesn't happen, we'll leave tomorrow. You know, it, it never happens. There's always some reason that they don't go. There's always a reason that they stay, even when it's obvious that they should not be staying there. Yeah. I mean, they should have gone back once their son disappeared, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, once things get worse and worse and worse, it's like at some point you just have to say, you know what? You know, maybe we deserve this, maybe we don't, but we have to go back to the town. And Mm -hmm. it's that pride. I think it's the pride. It's his pride that brings him down. Um, You know, you have his wife who you know, later in the movie admits that their their baby that was born was born, you know, he, she had an affair. Yep. And that was her sin. That was hers. Um, you have Caleb who is, you know, lustful. He sees puberty. His, right, his puberty, sees his sister and, you know, she's womanly, she's older and, you know, it's one of those things where you feel like the movie is trying to say sometimes like aspects of who you are when you're getting older, like going from a child to a man, there's different stages to that. And that includes puberty and you can't lock that away. Uh -uh. And if you don't teach somebody how to navigate through that, you know, in kind of the very strict puritanical aspect of this religion, it can be seen, this is sinful, you're doing something sinful, and it's like, well, I'm just, I'm transitioning from a from a child to a man, and, you know, but without the yeah. ability to do that, it kind of, it, it can have, you know, family members making, you know, denouncements against you for terrible things, which really are more i think innocent here yeah um i mean yes i mean that's a sister i understand but you know there's nobody else around you know it's yeah just it's, a it's, kid. it's just, just a family on the middle you know. of the woods i right. mean he's just a kid he's just he he's, he's young. just looking but right. it's the other thing when he goes and sees this witch in the woods that's your mistake yeah yeah so um so we we get uh, all these all these people, you know. You have the kids who are just they're children, oh, but but even terrorizing devils, right? Well, you know, like did, are they going? Did they bring the witch in? Did they bring Black Philip in? Right. Who knows? Um, so everybody here and Thomason, you know, Thomason's story is an interesting one in this movie because I feel like. She legitimately throughout this whole movie is trying her best to stick to her faith. Uh But when you've been told 
that you're evil, that you're deceitful, you're being yelled at, you're being told that you are responsible for all of this terrible thing, all these terrible things that have happened, which in reality, she is not. You know, like when she lost the baby, which by the way, that's a very unsettling scene. Yes. Because you're standing and you're thinking, okay, she she's playing peekaboo. Did and look, okay, look, it wasn't taken by a wolf. We know that. But is it a situation where it was that quick? Or to her when she closed, put her hands over her eyes for, for like the last the last time she did it? To her it was a split second. But is it possible that there was like a time dilation thing there where she actually stood there for like to her it was like half a second or a second, but in reality it was like two minutes or a minute. Just long enough for something to come in, grab the baby and and, and, and flee. Because when she looked yeah. up, all she saw was the the movement of bushes and grass and stuff that clearly something had taken the baby. Yeah, and I mean, nothing is going to be quick enough to, like, it was an open field to come in without her seeing, grab the baby, and go back into the woods within that time span. That's so I wonder quick. That's it's either her, like, trying to um, trauma compensate, or did the witch, you know... Put her in a trance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to say. This, this movie takes place in 1630, and the... The, everything about this movie just reeks of this is how it was back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, they found they found thatchers that made roofs and made like they could build these structures exactly as they were built back then because they they knew how they were built. They they built stuff that way. Yep. So this isn't this like oh we'll fake it for the movie kind of thing. Like all this stuff, whether it's in the town or it's stuff that they built themselves is all built. The utensils, everything that's inside. I mean, it's all in excruciating detail, um, which is amazing. I love when filmmakers do that, when they go to extraordinary lengths to tap into the real aspect of setting in place in their movies. And yeah, I think and Robert taking Eggers, the time yeah. to incorporate that language back then, and that too, the, what yeah. they how they spoke. Yep, it was very well done. Very well done. Um, so, you know, with this movie here, so we get um, the baby's gone, and then poor kid, poor kid. We see the witch in the woods. She clearly sacrifices the baby, and in, in you know, freaking churning butter with the baby. Yeah. It was terrible. And and bathes in the blood and it's it's and it's you know, the child, the witch is naked and you know, it's it's very unsettling stuff mm-hmm. in the way it's depicted. So then, you know, we get all these scenes here where, you know, we have Caleb and his father going hunting, but of course they're not supposed to go in the woods. Uh Caleb then lies to his mother because she would be terrified if if he was in the woods. So he lies with his father standing right there. Um, and there you go. See, the father doesn't interject and go, the boy isn't being truthful. We were actually in the woods. He lets the lie stand. Yeah, he lets the boy take the fall. Yep. So then uh, we, you know, uh, we have some scenes with Thomason and Caleb. And then um, Thomason and Caleb go into the woods where they get separated. And then um, Thomason manages, because she gets knocked off the horse and gets knocked out, and then she wakes up. She manages to get out of the woods. Her father finds her, uh, but they can't find Caleb, and they eventually do find him. He's you know, ugh, naked and screaming. Yeah, this poor guy. Naked and screaming. And then, you know, he, you know he's, he's bedridden, and... You know, he seems to be speaking in some tongues or language or something, and then he dies. Yeah. You know? And and they, they're trying to say a prayer over him, and yeah. it's red flag to them that the children can't speak the prayer. Like, mm-hmm. they think it's witchcraft that they can't speak the prayer. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and so through all of this, all this stuff that happens here, 
you know, Thomason keeps getting turned, you know, turned into the fall girl, you know, the fall person for yeah. all this stuff. Uh, and I think some of that has to do with her mother. I think her mother is kind of jealous. <laughs> Resentful of her. Resentful. Yeah. She sees how, I think she sees how beautiful Thomason uh, is becoming. She's, you know, becoming a woman. Um, she's trying to get her basically sent off uh, to live with another family. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's her youth, her beauty. Um, it's just, it's, it's, there's a, I think it's not just one or two things. It's a multi-layered thing. I think she does care for Thomason, but I think there's a lot of resentment and anger there and not just from losing the baby. I think it's part of it, but I think that this stuff has been there for quite a while. Yeah. So, um, uh, so the funny thing here is like the, the end of this movie is interesting because, in her grief, right, she, uh, um, you have Catherine, the, uh, um, the mother. William, William's wife, the mother. She ends up finding Caleb holding the baby. Uh, who She then takes the baby and, you know, breastfeeds it. But in fact, of course, it's not a baby. In real life, it is a crow pecking at her body. Yeah, this is um, straight horrible. And then we move to to William outside. Oh, there's this, oh, that's right. So, um, so that was one thing I want to talk about. So there's a scene where uh, uh, William locks Thomason and the other two children in the barn with uh, Black Philip. With Black Philip, and. There's a uh, the witch is in there, <laughs> and she's you know she's feeding, and I mean she stands up and she she cackles and I mean it's I gotta admit it's 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 pretty terrifying stuff. Yeah. It and um, so then we get towards the end of the movie here where we have Thomas and uh, you know, she comes out and she sees Black Philip ramming his horns into William. Mm-hmm. Now, William grabs a, a, a hatchet, and he's ready to fight. And then he throws the hatchet down. And I thought that was an interesting choice for him, because it's almost like he's saying, if I'm going to survive, God's going to let me survive. Like, if yeah, I'm going to die... Pride there. Yeah, yeah. Again, more of the pride thing. Um, so he, uh, Black Philip, rams into him, and he falls, and he, like he goes into like this, the wood, and he kind of like, you know, collapses upon collapses him. on him, and he and, and he and he dies. Then uh, Catherine comes out, and of course she's screaming at Thompson, telling her that you know she's responsible for all the deaths and everything that's happened here. That she's a witch. That, you know, and this is the stuff that they've been telling her for for at this point in the movie for about half the movie now. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's basically being told, "You are this terrible, awful thing. You're a witch. You've killed your brothers. You've killed your father." And you know, so Catherine attacks her. And you know, tries to choke her, and this is the moment where Thomason fights back. I think yeah. legitimately for the first, first time, time. ends up killing her mother, and that's the moment where I think that she becomes what they've been telling her that she is. Yeah, she's just over trying to be, you know, what they want her to be, and she's just like, "Fine, I'll be what you say I am instead." Exactly. So then she goes in and she, you know, there's Black Philip, and he speaks. <laughs> um, and he tells her, you know, that I'll give you what you what you want. What do you want? And, you know, he tells her to disrobe and she does. And, you know, he takes her into the woods and leads her to, you know, a coven of witches. Yeah. One of which that we, we have seen. And, you know, the last thing we see is her rising up in the air because the witches are all, you know, rising up in the air. And so, uh, 
you know, running through this movie, I think there's just a lot of themes. Uh, I, I think extreme isolation is one thing that runs through here about the effects that that has in general. Mm-hmm. Got to think this time period, 1630, you've got, <laughs> you need to live in a town. Yeah. You can get attacked by animals. Uh, you know, you've got to deal with, with winters and, and harsh climates. You can get, you know, attacked, you know, like a snake could bite you. I mean, there's so many people that don't survive back then because it's a harsh landscape. Yep. You know, I mean, even if, even if this land was fine, I think that I would, I think there's a good chance they don't make it anyway. Yeah. Honestly, like to be out completely on your own, the odds are really stacked against you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts on this movie? Like some of the, some of the things that you, you observed, like what are the things that you really wanted to bring up in this review? Like, is there anything like themes or ideas, stuff that you really kind of grab onto? Just it was it was interesting watching this for the first time and you're wondering through the whole thing, like, is she actually like a witch that's turning your family against it, or is she just this innocent victim that's, you know, driven to this? And it honestly I still could see it either way. because uh, you have that like scene at the beginning where she's confessing like her terrible sins and you wonder if maybe she signed this book in the beginning and or something or maybe turned it over to the twins in the first place. Like there's still that air of doubt. And I like that it doesn't always give you the answers. Sometimes movies are a little too clean and wrap up. And I like when your mind can wander and it's the ending scene. That's like the, there's something magical about it. Like when they're on their like brooms and lifting up into the sky, like it looks something right out of a painting from that time mm-hmm. of like, which is like, it was just beautifully shot. And it was just that kind of ending that was, it was perfect for what it was. Cause there's no happy ending. It's she's definitely just turned to this dark side. And, but honestly, who can't really call it a dark side for her because she was already living that life. <laughs> her life was already terrible. Like she's got either live with this family that resents her or be shipped off to a family and be a maid or something like that. Like her life was not going to be good in the first place. So I don't blame her at all <laughs> for going to be a witch. Yeah. Um, so I think that like, okay, so one of the things that's interesting about this movie is that like everyone knows about the Salem witch trials. Yeah. All right. That happened in the late uh, 1600s and into the, into the 1700s. But this movie actually takes place 60 years or so, 60, between 60 and 70 years before the Salem witch trials. And so people don't really know about that time period, but this is kind of, this is, there was almost like a small wave before the big wave yeah. that happened. Like the Salem witch trials happened in part because this started first here. Like there was this initial early, you know, witch sightings, you know, family members of witch kind of thing that happened back then. And, you know, a lot of this was just, you know, family members fighting or finding reasons to fault their, you know, other family members and seeing some dark occult level stuff that simply wasn't there. You yeah. know, it's kind of with like hysteria, right? It, it's actually the, it's actually, well, you know, it's like the satanic panic of the eighties, right. That we kind of observe in stranger things yep. this season, but um, which I think much more disastrous consequences because, yeah. You know, which is a panic in the 80s. This is more like, you're a witch, you need to be killed. You know, that kind of thing. And, yeah, they didn't, you know, just kill anybody. <laughs> you were drowned or set on fire. Like, it was never just a quick death. You were going to suffer before you died. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, one of the things that they tossed out there is the idea that there are some plausible scenarios in which a lot of what we see in this movie is not real. Uh, One of the ones is that 
so there's early on in the movie there's this scene where uh um William holds up a, a cob of corn and it's kind of rotten. Mm-hmm. And in actually there was this uh fungus uh that it was called ergot and it was often mistaken for rot. And the thing is is if you ate that fungus it had uh it produced hallucinogenic er- ergotamine yeah. which is uh, commonly accepted as the cause of hysteria involved in cases uh. of witchcraft so but it's actually more often co- uh, f- commonly found on rye and mm-hmm. other cereal grasses and and i guess doesn't really grow often on corn on the cobs but i guess that that's kind of like something where like they kind of toss some things in different things in the movie they may you gave you a plot some plausible scenarios in which what you see happening in the movie uh, what the family thinks is happening really isn't happening at all yeah that makes sense you know um but yeah this this movie to me i think well there's one of the things that I think works is the way it was shot. It was shot in a very, very rarely used uh, aspect ratio. Uh, it was uh, shot in a a one six six one aspect ratio, which uh, the cinematographer Jaron Blaschke said that it's more of a timeless look. Um, it's a, he said it's a shape that goes back further into our history. He said, you don't really see a lot of that 1851 before, you know, the 1950s. Um, that's the shape that you didn't see in the arts until very recently. So there's a timeless quality uh, that kind of makes it more attractive. Um, so I think that's kind of a cool, like just the aspect ratio they used. And the cinematography is, is almost everything in that movie is all natural light. Except for the and it really scenes. looks like yeah. it too, because mm-hmm. you know you take a photo without a filter, and it kind of has this almost gloom in comparison, and that's what the whole movie has—like this air of gloom. But it just looks, you know, real. Like it looks like something you would be right in the woods, and everything looks color accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, except for the indoor scenes, which are you know lit by candlelight, but even then, that was they used candles. I mean, they, it was all natural light. Like they didn't have mm-hmm. lamps on and this and that. You know, they, you know, if they were out in day, you know, scenes out in daylight and stuff, they just they shot it that way. They didn't do yeah. anything special. I think it's a smart choice. I think it's a smart choice too. It really helps with the look and the feel of the movie. Just again, it it's just one more thing that adds on to the authenticity of the of the film. In the way it's depicting realistic life in early 1600s uh, United States. Yep. Um, let's see if there's anything else here I want to bring up. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, 62 years before the infamous Salem witch trials, it was called America's First Witch Hysteria. Um, it was only shot in 25 days. Wow. Which is some serious speed filming there. I mean, that's... No kidding. That's not easy. Uh, especially this kind of quality. Um, you had to have your acting on point. Yeah, your acting had to be on point. Uh, it said that uh, the hair appears frequently in the film due to the fact that hairs were considered magical creatures... In their own right, they were often associated with witches either as a milk hare, which stole spoiled milk from the farm animals, or witches themselves, who were thought able to turn into a hare in order to spy on and influence people. So, Sure looks like a thing was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's just one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, look, I, I think that this movie... It has a lot. I mean, you could go in even deeper. I mean, this is one of those movies where I I think that the more you watch it, the more you glean from it. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of layers to to peel back when it comes to this movie. 
I think that the story is is interesting. I think the pacing of this movie is, is excellent. It's a, it's a slower movie, mm-hmm. but the atmosphere and the setting and the tone and all that stuff really works. It does a lot of heavy lifting in this movie, just the tone and the atmosphere. Um, there's a creeping dread constantly. You're always just kind of on the edge of your seat, like I was the first time I watched Even like I've seen it and I've watched it again. And every time that I see this movie, I feel like it's one of those movies that just kind of sucks you in more and more. With yeah, each, with I each completely agree. So it's like, I feel like you watch this movie and you just gain more and more with each viewing. So I think that um, it's something to maybe do like three, four viewings. And I think if you do that, you'll, I think you'll really pull out even more. Um. So I think, like I said, the actors do great. Uh, yeah. I think Eggers is, is really shows a ton of talent with this, this film. Uh, what little effects there are, are, are handled beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, a ton of practical effects are, are in this. And just, yeah, just seeing... Seeing this family just isolated, fending for themselves, turning on each other, you know they're all like, "Oh, you know, we're, we're you know, we're praying, we're, we're we're being positive, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing all these things, and they're trying to do things, they're trying to be good, they're trying to do good things, and yet, in the end, is a family there their own undoing? Yeah, you know." Like yes, it's hinted that Black Philip is is bringing about a lot of the stuff that's happening here. Um, he is is affecting this family in the way they interact. But at the end of the day, still there are some there are aspects of their characters which are their own folly in the end. Right, yeah. it's the thing that brings them down. Like the father, his pride, his conceit. It it, it in the end. It's not that Black Philip brought him down by like, you know, injecting him with prideful conceit. It was already there. If if anything, he probably just pulled it out more than maybe he would have. Uh, yeah, Black so. Philip just essentially kindled what was already inside of them. Correct. You know, and whether that's William or Catherine and her faults, or you know, even like, you know, Caleb. Uh, poor Caleb. And that kid, yeah. In the, in I think the, he was probably the most innocent in all this. Right. Yep. And, and Other the, than the baby. Yeah, yeah, the baby. The kids, you know, um, and they're, they're just children, so it's hard to kind of give them too many faults. Like, they're just children, so. But, yeah, nobody makes that alive. Yeah, uh, except for Thomason. Uh, except for Thomason, who uh, apparently finds a new family. A little bit. Sells her soul, goes and hangs with a new friend yep. <laughs> that eats children. Apparently. Yep. So uh yeah. I mean, is there anything else you wanna you wanna bring up about this movie? Any thoughts? No, like it, this movie is very you know, when you can talk about it, you can talk about it, it's like it's very simplified, but there it's like you said, there's when you watch this over and over again, there's a lot of complex layers and you can definitely make more theories and the more you watch it, it's one of those type of movies that, you know, at first watching, you know, you're just seeing it surface, but you can keep going and drawing those, you know, lines and seeing what's what. It's got a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm. It does. It really does. And it's, it's, uh, again, I think that kind of, I think they're, their inability to recognize their own faults. And it's like they, they're, they're pious, but they also have faults that they simply will indulge in, but won't acknowledge. Yeah. You know, 
So and no one really keeps them in check. They're just a family out on their own. Right. I think in that town, I think they're fine. But out here on their own by themselves. Too vulnerable. Too vulnerable. And they're, they're far more vulnerable than I think they would like to believe they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking just like something could attack them. There's okay. a lot, as a family, even minus everything else, I think there's a lot going on there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think they would have torn themselves apart. Yeah. Yeah. In the winter time, you know, scrounging over food and being in that house, you'd have had a, you know, probably had a, um, oh God, what was that called? I'm going to forget it. Uh, and pioneers traveling across had to eat, uh, eat each other. God, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's going to oh. bug me now. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I'm sure everyone's screaming right now, knowing exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about too. Why can't I think of it either? Uh, something party. Um, Donner party. That's it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it would eventually have been the Donner party where they had to eat each other in the winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, um, my brain finally, you know, put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so anyway, this this movie I think it's unsettling, it's creepy as all get out. This mm. is not like this is not a movie that if you think a movie, a scary movie is is scary because there's a ton of jump scares and like you know, someone turns the corner and ah, you know. Uh, the killer somebody, chasing you. Right. Like if if that's what a horror movie has to be, then Look, this movie is not going to be for you. I'm just telling you, more than likely. Yeah. Or, or, or it could open up your eyes and you might appreciate it. But you have to go into this movie understanding it's a different kind of beast. And it's, like I said, it's, it's a movie that's built more on this existential dread. And there's just this constant, like, you'll sit there watching what seem to be just normal scenes. And you just find yourself gripping your seat tighter than you really should be. And you don't really know why. You're like, why am I gripping the seat so tight? Like, there's nothing going on here. But it's like you know something's going to happen. Yeah. And it's coming. And you just know it. And you're like, I, I don't want anything to happen to Caleb. I don't want anything to happen. Something's going to happen. And it does. And it's bad. And you're just... So you're constantly gripping your chair because you just know more and more bad things are going to happen. That's the scary kind of movie it is. It's not it's not about shock. It's about just this almost like this cold pit in the you know, in the in your like the bottom of your stomach, you know? Constantly there. And so this movie is that kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say there's one scene in it that uh grossed me out. It's so like if you don't catch it, you'll miss it kind of thing. But um, when Thomason is talking to Caleb by like that creek, mm-hmm. you know, she's washing her father's clothing because he fell into like the the goat droppings. So she's mm-hmm. cleaning it off. But um, Caleb is down the stream drinking the water <laughs> from where she's watch- washing it, and I'm like, oh. ew. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Maybe that's you got a fever from doing that, and that added to you know him dying. Who knows? It, it, you know what? It could. That's actually a good pickup there. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> yes, I'm an excellent picker outer of gross things. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently you are. That's my talent. <laughs> um. All right. So, so basically, I think you you. Anyone's listening to this is gather our thoughts uh, about this movie. Pretty well. It's it's a really good movie. It's uh, it, it uh, on my list of the best horror movies of all time. This easily makes that list. Easily, mm-hmm. um, I have it. It would it would probably make it would definitely make my top fifteen. I would say probably top fifteen to twenty. I, I don't know. Yeah. Where I, I don't know where I'd rank it right now. Just top of my head, I'd say top fifteen at least. 
top 20 at for worst. horror movies yeah horror movies definitely all right everyone well uh thanks for listening to us ramble on about the witch <laughs> so uh yeah if you haven't seen it go check it out i think you'll really enjoy it you know at least you could enjoy it just go in with an open mind and uh yeah prepare yourself to be just sitting on the edge of your seat the whole time yep prepare yourself to be bewitched right right just you know if you see if you see some black goat uh outside your window then <laughs> maybe you might want to consider turning it off and going hide somewhere <laughs> it's just shutting the blinds <laughs> yep all right everyone well thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the freak geeks podcast have a good one thanks for listening to the freaking geeks podcast be sure to visit freakinggeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com slash freakinggeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin MacLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.